Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, the most frustrating team in the world. Um, no, that's probably not true. They, at least they, they play games most of the time. Um, it'd probably be more frustrating to have a team like the last week we spoke about the Phillies who didn't play for like a week. Blue Jays have been playing mostly, and they've been frustrating mostly. But that's the fun thing. We get to talk about this now. We get to talk about the team being mismanaged or the team being shorthanded or the fact that nobody can really hit and nobody knows how to draw a walk. Whatever it is, we're talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. The season, for better or for worse, soldiers on. And so shall we. And there is no no other soldier I'd want with me in the bunker. Uh, No other person I wish to be photographed with in a boomer meme about World War II. Uh, he joins me as always. Are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> Old reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I, I'm okay. I was okay until you talked about that boomer meme photo, but yeah, I'm doing all right. I saw something about uh, people were going on, you know, on probably a fake account talking about, well, in 1944, 18 year olds were going over to fight the war and save the world. And, and then I, every time I see those, and that's like very much a boomer meme, right? The children of those people who were kept from that kind of horror at all costs and at every opportunity. Talking about how, I, I, the thing I always come back to is that they, the, the U.S. Army in particular, had a real problem with people not shooting back. That these conscripted soldiers, they'd be like, go over to Europe and fight. And they'd be like, I no. And it's something like the numbers between 15 and 20% of soldiers actually fired back. And even of those, very few ever were like would they would just kind of like shooting like oh, which is crazy. That's not they don't tell you that in the old World War II movies, do they? I mean, I'm not a QAnon follower like you obviously are, but uh, I'm, I'm, it seems plausible, I guess. Well, where what is it? Where <laughs> where we go one, we go all. Isn't that what they say? Those look when I piss on my burgers, <laughs> I fucking piss on my burger. I thought <laughs> we were gonna. <laughs> We're recording this old, on Thursday. Old, the Blue old Jays. Heads, old heads know. Old heads know. There's, there's, there's probably two or three people, drunk Jays fans, fans from way back, will remember the story of me pissing on my cheeseburgers. Well, now everyone's going to want to know the story, and guess what? They don't get to have it. One person who does have it, who heard it tonight, he's our guest. He is the chief. Researcher. <laughs> he is a doctor. He's got a PhD. He, we talked to him about pissing on cheeseburgers. <laughs> he is the chief scientist <laughs> at ProPlay AI, Dr. Mike Son. He joins us to talk about Nate Pearson, talk about biomechanics, talk about um, just using a different kind of numbers to make guys better pitchers and baseball players. And it, we had a great chat, uh, as we were saying off air. Who knew an educated and uh, and hyper interested uh, guy with a lot of passion for his his life's work uh, would be fun to talk to? What are the chances of that? I prefer. Yeah, it turns out it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I prefer to talk to board uh, board semi professionals like myself. From uh, well, from here forward. I am. Wait. <laughs> Rock you like a hurricane. Anyway, so we're gonna talk to Mike, aka Doctor Son, uh, about all that stuff. And there's no better time to do it and better reason to talk about it than because tonight, Thursday, when we record this, Nate Pearson pitched. So we, I think, after we talk to Mike, we can talk about Nate Pearson. We can talk about Charlie Montoyo. We can talk about the shrinking roster. We can talk about the fact that the team can't hit worth a good goddamn. Lots of fun stuff to talk about, right? Sure. And if you want to hear us talk about this stuff now and into the future, if this is your first time listening to Birds All Day, thank you for tuning in to the Blue Jays podcast that um, that is on The Athletic. That's uh, what we're doing here. 
subscribe to the show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify, on Overcast, on uh, Stitcher, any of the podcast places that you frequent. Head over. Sign up. Subscribe. And if you want to sign up for The Athletic, you should probably do that too. Go to theathletic.com. Sign up. Subscribe. That way you can read read everything that Stoughton writes. You can read everything about the bubbling Raptors and the, and the, the hockey people. Uh, you can read about all the sports. You can read about the Champions League, which started again, which is fascinating that they're playing the Champions League in the summer. Uh, all that stuff. So subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the show. And then you come back here. You don't have to subscribe to The Athletic to listen to us. But if you did, what you'll hear is us talk to Dr. Mike Son, And then we'll take a break. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk about so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. All right. As mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by the chief scientist at ProPlay AI. You know him from Twitter. You've seen him all over the place. We're going to talk about the making of an ace. We're going to talk to uh, Dr. Mike Son. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's great to finally be on the show. It's long overdue, and we're really excited. And I think that there's no better reason, no better time to speak with you than on this, the eve, uh, when we're recording this, um, of Nate Pearson's second big league start. We've seen him start a couple times in the big leagues. Now, uh, for, for reference, for maybe the folks who don't know, what can you tell us about kind of your, I don't know, maybe your or, or ProPlay AI or just Nate's relationship with kind of biomechanics and, 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 and the role it's played in making him who he is today? Yeah, so back in December, I was at the winter meetings and was meeting with uh, Casey Mulholland, who's the uh, kind of the lead trainer and, and the head of Kinetic Pro Performance in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. And we were showing Casey some of the initial um, data from, from ProPlay and Pitch AI and you know, some of the biomechanics work we were doing. And we were starting to put together a strategy of, of uh, the people we wanted to be involved in it. And we had some good coaches and we had some good uh, scientists, but what we were kind of missing was the player perspective. Um, and I said to Casey, you know, we're looking for somebody who is uh, an up-and-coming player who's obsessive with development. Uh, they're not afraid of data. You know, they're, they're just totally trying to get better all the time. And he instantly, you know, came up with Nate's name. And, and Nate had been working with Casey uh, down in Florida in the offseason. So, uh, you know, we, we got connected there, um, and Nate was very familiar with biomechanics right from the start. He uh, had an assessment done uh, at Driveline Baseball in, in Seattle. Uh, you know, he's, he works a lot with the modus sleeve uh, at Kinetic Pro's facility, so he's aware of uh, taking these numbers and helping apply them to training. So Nate's been really instrumental uh, with the company in giving that player's perspective, which is something that's, you know... Is, it's tough to come by when you're somebody who's uh, elite at what you do. Um, you know, getting that voice uh, that can help out a lot with you know other players, especially the the youth players as they start to come up. So what what is the the this biomechanical aspect of 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 development? I guess you know we you, driveline is is kind of the, the the brand so to speak that's known maybe more widely across baseball. Uh, but you, you know when you go on your Twitter, you check out uh, the site, you see so much of the of these kind of like biomechanic uh, 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 graphics and and sort of um, like enhanced. Uh, reality, augmented reality sort of stuff. How, on a really obviously a surface level, how can a guy 
like Nate Pearson, who is obviously already an elite athlete and, and, and a high-performing pitcher, how can they use this kind of data and, and or information into making them a better pitcher? I think like what people get scared of when we talk about even going broader than biomechanics and just talking about analytics, all analytics is, is putting numbers to stuff that happens, right? Like it's not that scary. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's measuring things. And then somebody does something again and you measure it again. Um, if you go on the MLB scouting bureaus, scouting reports, you see all kinds of stuff like, Long arm action, short arm action, easy delivery, uh, you know, smooth delivery, all these different jargony terms. And mm-hmm. if you go on pitching baseball Twitter, like it's a cesspool of nonsense spouted about biomechanics and people's, you know, armchair analysis of, of pitching mechanics. The biomechanics craze is really just the next step in what you want to call money ball or analytics, whatever it may be. It's trying to put quantification to movement, which is something that we have been doing for, you know, decades and decades in biomechanics. The real surge in biomechanics that's happening now is that it's becoming easier and easier to obtain the data. You're seeing it with the Hawkeye system in the stadium. Like they realistically are capturing every player's movement on every pitch now with Hawkeye. Uh, And then, you know, what we're trying to do at, at ProPlay is make it so that you just need your cell phone and you could still get some of those biomechanical data. And then what it comes down to when it comes to player development is saying, okay, you know, I'm trying to quote unquote shorten up my arm action. Let's measure every time I throw and actually see if that works. Let's say I'm trying to improve external rotation or, or whatever other terms uh, and, and movements you want to say. It's literally putting a number to it and then being able to measure it time and time again. So you can see how you're developing because of these drills you're doing. You can see how your mechanics change as you start to fatigue. And then start to see how that changes over time to say, yeah, my training is working. Or no, I need to shift my priorities and maybe try and go after something else. That's really interesting. I, I, I'm always that, – that's the, the difference, I guess, in, in terms of um, implementation is – is okay, yeah. If I'm trying to shorten up, or if I'm, oh, I mean, again, this is where you get into that kind of pitching Twitter cesspool of jargon and and quasi, you know, pseudoscience. And like, am I if I'm not pronating enough? Like, how can I overpronate, or how can I re- re- adjust those sorts of things? And and I, that's the thing that I struggle with is, is how do you put some of these these observations, some of these insights? How do you put them, or how how can some of the players, or for, for example, Nate Pearson? How could we see him put it into practice? And, and that's a lot of where somebody like Casey Mulholland comes in, right? These, these training facilities, uh, part of it is, is helping the athlete know what information is, is useful and what information maybe they don't necessarily need to pay that much attention to. When we started working with Nate, you know, Nate was saying that he was getting uh, poor hip to shoulder separation compared to the rest of pitchers, you know, in his age and skill bracket. But the reality is, you know, maybe he was getting uh, like less uh, rotation, but when you're that big, maybe you don't need as much rotation, right? So sometimes some of that information is relevant, other times it isn't. And it's a matter of picking out what's important. At the end of the day, what we're trying to do with Nate and what Casey's trying to do with Nate and what the Jays are trying to do with Nate is get him to his maximum potential and get him to a point where, you know, he can become that that workhorse uh, starting pitcher and, you know, put in as many innings as they need out of him in the season. 
when it comes to his mechanics, it's literally just being able to say, okay, you know, I, I'm sure after today's start, uh, there was a point in time where he was only getting up around 93, and I'm sure there was a mechanical cue that he, he might have been lacking at that point in time. I'm sure with Nate, you know, he's going to go back, he's going to look at the data, and he's going to be able to say, okay, I need to find the cue that helps me stick within my body and within my motion when that happens. I think that's one of the most impressive things about Nate, just even like being on Zoom calls with him is just how he thinks about his craft, especially as a kid who's, you know, you know, 23 years old. Like, it, it, and, and I, it, I assume that helps. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps a ton, even just from the, the ability to take information to say, Hey, here's a, a way you can get better and to not take it personally and saying, Hey, you're not doing well. Right. Um, Nate yeah. is is always looking for more information, uh, and that's why he's so helpful to, to to work with, and and so great to work with. And I know he drives Casey, you know, crazy a little bit at times because it's you know more and more and more information. Uh, and sometimes it's a matter of saying, "Hey, listen, you know what? What you're doing out there is great. You know, let's just make sure that you refine that. You don't have to, you know, uh, pick yourself apart all the time either." But reasons like that, that's why I think Nate's going to be around for a very long time. And you know, I think these first few starts and even back to that exhibition start with Boston as somebody who knows this is like the long haul here. It's almost good to see when he maybe struggles a little bit at first because you then start to see how he adapts. And I think that's something maybe the blue Jays haven't had in a very long time as a pitcher who comes out and says, man, the best stuff isn't working today. The fastball is not there. I've got two other things I can go to and I can be just as effective and I can still get into the fifth or sixth inning or, or even beyond. He was, he literally said that like after that start in Boston, like he was like, just like, yeah, I lost my fastball command and it was a mechanical thing. And I know now what I need to do. Like you said about the cues and like, uh, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot, but, <laughs> but like, but like just watching him or listening to him talk about how he approaches this for someone his age and just, or literally for anyone in general, uh, it's really impressive. It's it, it, and, and I, I get why that makes people excited about, you know, what he can do. Now he's a, he's a very impressive guy. He's, he's definitely honed in on his craft and, uh, you know, he, he's very in tune with what's happening too. in with or without data. You know, if he tells you that something's off with his mechanics, you can go look at those numbers and, and you can guarantee there's probably something there to see. So the performance and the production is one thing, uh, but it's not necessarily using these biomechanical uh, 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 metrics, using this, uh, you know, this this in-depth data that we get from high-speed cameras and, and the like. It's not just production and making sure that everybody can throw 104, you know, with a, with a, with a crow hop. It's about health too. And, and, and how, you know, when you're doing this sort of research and again, you're somebody who is, who is, um, got so much on the line. How does the health, uh, factor in when it comes to analyzing, um, the data and analyzing the, the performance to ensure that not only are they, you know, reaching their peak performance, but also staying healthy? Well, I think when we look at performance, performance and health are so tightly linked with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll go on Instagram and maybe the Jays will show some video of Nate pitching in a bullpen. And he's always got this kind of black spandex sleeve on his, his throwing arm. And that's the modus sleeve. Mm -hmm. So that's got a little uh, inertial measurement unit that's contained kind of in the forearm. And what it's meant to do is track how many throws you have 
at how much intensity each of those throws are and get you up. This is like, you know, workload management in, in practice here. Nate has been incredibly in tune with that. And that's all coming from uh, a lot of what Casey and Kinetic Pro have done. Uh, and it's a big part of, you know, what the rest of, uh, of baseball is doing. And, you know, that was part of what I was trying to do with, with fatigue units is understanding yes, yeah, yeah. yeah how workload actually impacts uh, these pitchers. You don't want to see those spikes. And all of the evidence we've seen in about workload you know, the relief pitchers are the ones that I think they get hurt maybe eight times more than starting pitchers when it comes to uh, Tommy John surgery. So these types of things, you know, when you're trying to monitor somebody's health, uh, it's not necessarily saying, oh, their velocity's down. It's saying, why is their velocity down? Maybe it's a mechanical thing. Maybe it is fatigue. You know, there can be a variety of reasons that those things happen. But with those data, you know, what we can see with somebody like Nate is that we want to progress him up to the point where he's capable of throwing 230 innings or, you know, maybe throwing 120 pitches in a game. Uh, they're getting all that information and they're really getting that uh, very granularly between the starts. So fatigue units, you know, that was something that was effective in looking at workload game to game, but we didn't really capture what was happening in bullpens and what was happening in long toss and simulated games. They're getting that with his modus data and that's how they're allowing Nate to progress and, and work deeper into games as the season goes on. And that's probably the most effective way to manage health. I would say more than mechanics, uh, more than the radar gun, it's understanding how you progress workload because if you can progress that workload in that way, um, you know, you can tolerate maybe different mechanics. You can tolerate a higher velocity and you can end up being a, a much healthier player. I think that's really, really interesting that I feel for the longest time there was a belief that there is, you know, the one kind of uh, motion there was, you know, if you if you didn't have, you didn't look like Mark Pryor. Don't get Pryor. that inverted W. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or something like that. Or like, yeah, if you weren't, if you didn't, you know, Mark Pryor has perfect mechanics. These are perfect mechanics. I think that there's there's so much, I think it opens doors to maybe different kinds of, of athletes. And and obviously Nate Pearson is looks like he was created in a lab to be a big starting pitcher. But, <laughs> but you know, is there that, does this maybe open the door to see, to say, this is a guy that can maybe get outs in the big leagues, or this is a guy that, that has so much untapped potential. If we can, if we can kind of strap him in and, and, and do some work with him, we can really, you know, bring him to the next level to be a, a really effective pitcher. Yeah. And it, anytime you hear somebody tell you that somebody has perfect mechanics that they'll never get hurt, <laughs> like you can start sounding the clown horns uh, at that exact moment. Um, there is no such thing as perfect pitching mechanics. Uh, throwing a baseball turns out to be like one of the worst things you can do to your elbow and the shoulder. The throwing motion itself is very unnatural and very unhealthy to the body. Of course, that means there's ways that you can try and protect against injury. Like that's, you know, not debated, but there's so much variability that happens underneath your skin that you don't even know about. Like people's muscles insert into the bone at different angles. Uh, you know, between the three of us, we'd all have three different, uh, you know, insertion angles of, of muscle and, and tendon. There's so much variability in that. So for you to say, you know, these are the perfect mechanics for this person and these are the mechanics for, you know, the next person, you would not want to see Nate Pearson and Marcus Stroman have the same mechanics. Their bodies are so different. Mm -hmm. There's no way you could say, okay, Nate, emulate Marcus's uh, mechanics. Like, 
there's no way he could do that. He's just so much of a bigger person, right? Um, and then the same way with with uh, with Stroh. Like if he was trying to emulate Nate's mechanics, I bet he wouldn't break, you know, 85 miles an hour. So there's so much variability between the human body. To say there's one set of perfect mechanics, it it's just uh, a crazy thing to think. But what is important is how those mechanics change over time, because that can be a sign that maybe you're getting work too hard, or maybe you're you're showing those signs of fatigue. And and really, fatigue is probably the biggest thing that we look at, uh, you know, as a symptom of high workloads that can lead to injury. You, you say you haven't seen the perfect mechanics, not only because we didn't you weren't able to get me in there to get that the pro play ai <laughs> camera true. trained on my pop that, time where you can see true <laughs> true perfect mechanics uh, the uh, opera stands man get that uh, get your iphone out and get some throws in we'll analyze them and uh, and send them on over we've we've got ben nicholson smith's mechanics and uh, he ha- he had a great time throwing and been hard to get other people in the facility given that the entire world has been shut down <laughs> yeah i'll be there i'll be there in my mask you see you say the word and i'll come down i, I i'm more like henley jansen because i'm a catcher it's coming right out of my ear you know it's not awesome. it's, not, it's uh, maybe a little bit more dylan bundy maybe more short it's the short fat elastic not the long stringy elastic <laughs> but uh, the, the analogy just kept, keeps getting more and more realistic, I feel as you. Well, that was the thing I remember people saying about Dylan Bundy. You talk about all these weird euphemisms and all this weird language, and, and Bundy was the. It was more like a broccoli elastic, and that was kind of even though he struck out the entire world when he was an amateur pitcher, and then struck out every single person he faced in minors as as like an eighteen year old. There were still some concerns because of he because he was you know like I said short throw, which isn't to say there's one size fits all, but there were flags on a guy like so maybe that's maybe that's my next question for you, Mike. Is like, how, how did the Orioles ruin all of their pitching process? Hey, Dylan Bundy pitched a hell of a game today. Obviously, the Orioles have some doing something wrong. But but are you are are you watching uh, games and and watching? I mean, you you know you you are a fan of the game and a fan of the Blue Jays, but also you've moved into a in a different kind of a professional capacity. Are you watching you know somebody out there and being like, oh man, I'd love to get him in and uh, just kind of you know get get the get the get the video analysis going i know we can really make this guy an even better pitcher than he than he is or we can really help him get him to the next level you know anytime you see somebody at like the peak of human performance you would love to to figure out more about understanding <laughs> my, my ears are burning my ears are burning <laughs> uh, i'm a bit of a junk ball and lefty but but still <laughs> i know i know I, Go on, go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the number one pitcher I would love to, to look at and, you know, somehow try to contribute to their health would be Shohei Otani. Like, that's like the absolute dream, right? Like, it's a shame that that's happened, but I don't think that's anything that the Angels have done. Would, would, you, would your advice be to maybe not have him throw 42 pitches in an inning? <laughs> yeah, that might, be, that might be one of them. I mean, that's one uh-huh. of the things with fatigue units, right? Like, our, our biggest penalty is you on back-to-back days and lots of pitches per inning. So, uh, you know, there's, there's some concerns on, on that front uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, but no, anytime you see somebody who's like really pushing the limit, like, you know, your Michael Kopex of the world, um, you know, meat is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the Forrest Whitley's coming up um, all those guys, you know, that they'd be awesome to, to take a look and, and see how they're getting. What I would say that excites me the most is like, this pro play AI endeavor is how easy we can get those data. So it's not so much like, Hey, you know, in the past, you know, who could I get into the lab and it'd be really unique to get, you know, two pictures in the lab. 
we've got the opportunity now to get like everyone and really get an understanding, you know, more in depth than anything we've ever had before. So that's really the most exciting part of, of this project. That's amazing. Uh, Mike, we don't want to take too much more of your time. Where can the people find out more about ProPlay uh, AI? Where can they follow you and follow uh, uh, the work that you do to, to, to bring these pitchers, the next generation of pitchers to, uh, to the next level? Yeah, so we're on Twitter at uh, ProPlayAI. Uh, our website's ProPlayAI.com, and uh, you can follow me at Dr. Mike Son. And, uh, you know, follow Nate as well, because he, he likes to talk about biomechanics on there every now and then, too. It is, it is you, while you said p- pitching Twitter is a bit of a cesspool, it is so interesting to see big league pitchers and, and people who do know, people who are doing this work uh, out there and, and having these kind of uh, public and open conversations in ways that most fans don't get an opportunity to see. Yeah, can, uh, you, can you fix Julian Mer- Merriweather or what? <laughs> <laughs> you can't fix someone who doesn't exist. Like yeah, the... Like, the, like, like, a, like, a, like a cheeseburger suspended in the air. He is Schrodinger's pitcher. He is both dead and alive. Schrodinger's <laughs> prospect. Yeah, he's both terrible and excellent and soaked in various fluids at the same so time. So many fluids. <laughs> we want to say thank you so much, Dr. Mike Son. Thanks again, Mike, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Great talking to you. Thanks, man. And now let us talk a little bit in layman's terms, in the term, in the two simpletons banging their heads against they, the wall. Yeah, they would have to be. They would have to. They would have to be layman's terms. Yeah, these absolutely. are layman's terms. We're going to be making guttural noises <laughs> in talking about <laughs> Nate Pearson, um, who started against Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, uh, who have a terrible name but a pretty good team. I got to say, even though they do not any longer have Josh Donaldson. They have a lot of good and fun players. Their their bullpen is pretty good. That Shane Green and they got the Strangler. Oh, they're coming right from my heart. Uh, it's slightly, it is slightly annoying. I even I'm not going to lie. I know we're supposed to hate Darren O'Day. I have some time for Darren O'Day. But you don't. I mean, you can laugh at him, and then now you know in the past and recognize that he was a, a delightful foil and a chump. For getting clowned by Jose Bautista, but at the same time, That's you can correct. also yeah. acknowledge that something that we sort of touched, talked about with Mike a little bit, which is there's so much room in baseball for unconventional types. I think that there needs to be more. Uh, you can see by the way that that fans and, and podcasters and whomever cling to any kind of unconventional type. If it's um, you know, like Alejandro Kirk, for example, like he's got a bit of a different body and like that's hilarious or, or, you know, anyone that's, that's a little funky, a little weird. There's so much appeal to that. So Darren O'Day, you know, you scrape those knuckles off the ground. If you, you, what I need, what I really need for me personally is like a left-handed submariner. That's what I want to see. I want to see a sidearm or sidearming lefty just well, destroying I feel like, souls. I feel like everybody in the league, he got claimed by the Marlins this week. <laughs> uh, uh, former Blue Jay, uh, what's that guy's name? Justin get, Schaefer. Get a get get a get a Brian Morans. He claimed by the by the by the Marlins as well as former Blue Jays reliever uh, Justin Schaefer, who I I I got a lot of I got a time for him. He was not unique. He was very much like a sinker, you know, sinker slider, 95, 85 fastball slider guy. He was a pretty good. Uh, which also is insane that that's like, oh, you're just a reliever who's going to get past. Right like the later. absolute most run of the mill, like <laughs> off the assembly line. That's There's so hundreds cool. of guys who are like, I throw yeah. 95. Like I, I don't, I would bet that I've never been in a vehicle, in a car that's traveling at 95 miles an hour. And there was just a bunch of guys who could, with their hand, throw a baseball that hard. 
Blows your mind. Blows your mind. But the Braves, pretty good. Played the Blue Jays pretty tough. Uh, uh, although, obviously, if you're a Blue Jays fan, there's a lot of positives to take about the, the way that they've played um, uh, in Atlanta since their... Moral, uh, moral victory flags fly forever. Oh, they do. They, especially because they love to <laughs> get them up that pole as soon as they can. But um, well, let's start with the big one. Let's start with Nate Pearson then. Uh, did you watch his start this evening for by chance? I did. So here on Thursday, he... Um, he pitched uh, pretty well. His his line looks good. He only got gave up two hits, uh, what three walks, struck out five, uh, gave up three runs, a couple some bad luck, like a wild pitch. You're just, you're just reading out his line, apparently. I, I'm re- reading out his line from memory, <laughs> by the way. Oh wow, actually that's pretty good. Um, it's weird because the way you're stumbling over some of those numbers, I felt like maybe you're just reading it off a. No, I'm just. Was, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess a computer screen. Don't you know? I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like, if anyone knows me, what does my computer screen turn to right now? My Twitter notifications. The only thing that lets me live. Like, this is what gives me life here. I need those notifications. I need that engagement. <laughs> um, but well, maybe it's maybe it's on your desk, way down from where you're standing. I am in doing that. I am standing, looking down <laughs> past the microphone. Uh, Pearson Shapiro pitched West. okay. You know, I was uh, texting with some people, like just, just kind of saying, like he's really he's he's fighting it. You know, he didn't look great. There are obviously no, flashes of greatness. A couple, maybe maybe the second or third inning where he sort of just cruised and was touching ninety nine like it was nothing and just embarrassing people. Uh, you know, who was that? Tyler Flowers. I don't remember. Uh, uh, Camargo. He got got right inside on his hands with ninety nine, uh, throwing you know that nasty breaking pitch. But he just couldn't really ever get it going. Never really found the fastball. The slider was only okay. Kind of getting strikeouts with because he's so good. Because his stuff is so good. That's exactly. Yeah. He could like get away with throwing a slider, and he's throwing it to Danny Hechevaria. Uh, so it's like a slider at the belt doesn't really matter. Hechevaria is not going to hit it because it's spinning anyway. But uh, you don't want to just like poo poo. Like, what is a fine start? A fine start in under a very extraordinary um, conditions. But uh, this, the flat, this, I would say that the line kind of flatters him a little bit. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds fair. I, it, it, he was fine, and I, like I don't know, it's, he's easy to make excuses for because. Uh, oh boy, there are some other guys on the roster that it's less easy to make excuses for. But like. Yeah, no, it's fine, and he's a he's a he's a rookie, and he's it's a second big league start or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Probably is probably his second. I'm going to go with second. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, and you, I think you've seen, I think you've seen that like anybody who like who watched him pitch in Buffalo last year, or what, it's like that's that's kind of how it can go, and I think a lot of uh, there is tantalizing promise in him, of course, and he can get away with a lot because of the velocity and because he has a really good slider. Uh, but yeah, and I, I think he's still sort of a guy where it's like, wow, like if he could get everything all working at the same time, he'd be unhittable. And you see that, but uh, he's not at that point yet, but he's still an effective big leaguer uh, nonetheless. So, if you watch the Blue Jays broadcast, which, by, by the way, I don't want to jinx it, but am I crazy, or is Dan Shulman doing every single Blue Jays game this Shulman, year? It, that's what it's going to be this year. Yeah, it's Shulman and Buck every game. Every game. Uh, and it is quite nice. You know, no disrespect to Pat Tabler. Shout out to Tabby. He did a, you know, he did a yo, he did the yeoman's work for years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, we can, we can disrespect Pat Tabler. I just want to say I don't miss him. No. <laughs> no. I don't miss him. <laughs> I 
don't miss them on the broadcast. I, I, so I had this, it was almost, I feel, I feel like I was watching a no hitter because I was like, wait a minute. Kind of, when you look at the box score and you look at all the zeros, I was like, is Shulman calling every game? So I started Googling, looking for like a release and then Sportsnet put a release out. And in the comments, there were people obviously from Mars who were like, what the fuck? This sucks. Bring me, give me Pat and Tabby or uh, Buck and Tabby. And I was like, are you, that's craziness. That's absolute insanity. But, uh, it's great. So, so great to have Dan Shulman calling every Blue Jays game. He's at home uh, in Toronto. Obviously, they're calling the games from the, I guess, the Tim and Sid studio, um, which is, uh, it's just, it's so great to have Dan Schultz. Re- yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know who used to call the games. I'm not sure, but it really does feel <laughs> like, uh, like it's gone from like bottom tier to top tier instantly. It's really, it's really quite outstanding. Uh, I really like Joe Siddle. I think he does a great job as an analyst. So uh, this was my point, person. but but I but I would love but I would love to hear him in game, perhaps somehow. that might be worth a shot. But here's the thing: so <laughs> where I was going with this point before I got sidetracked, theoretically, by, by I mean, fawning, in, in, in this on on, the, on this theoretical broadcast we're talking about that doesn't involve real people, uh, yeah, maybe. I got sidetracked because I wanted to praise Shulman, friend of the show. If you are new to the show last year around this time, maybe even a little bit earlier, Dan Shulman uh, joined us on Birds All Day. So go find that episode, listen to it. Obviously, it's great talking to Dan fucking yeah, Shulman. We'll talk about, we'll talk about D- Sam Gaviglio or whatever the fuck the Blue Jays were doing last year at this time. God, that, that ended well. Um, well, that's how we, we got to get Dan back on, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Buck Martinez, former catcher, you know, in-game an analyst in the number two seat, so to speak. Buck Martinez, I, I don't I, I do this a lot where I interrupt and sidetrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Buck was saying earlier this week that he played for he played against the Washington Senators at one point. I'm like, that can't possibly be fucking true. Uh and it is. He was like in the big leagues as a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old for the Royals in like 69 when the Senators still had their, you know, the, the team that became the twins, I think. Yeah. Uh, he he mentioned that today, being twenty years old, because because it, it was different then. He got drafted and like went to the big leagues and then like went to college or something. Like there was some weird. Anyway, twenty years old, yanked up to the big leagues, but he They're was exploiting so, people somehow. You know, they, not sure absolutely, how, they they were, they were grind, <laughs> grinding most of them into dust. But I'm thank yeah. you. So while you have sidetracked me, you've also done a nice little segue because he was talking about being a young catcher coming up from a ball and being. unable to catch big leaguers because they're throwing so much harder. They've got so much more movement. He was just like ill-equipped to do the job. And so Buck mentioned it and also Siddle mentioned it after the game, Joe Siddle, who you've you've shouted out already, um, as wondering about the value of having more of a veteran catcher there to bring Nate Pearson along that and i noticed it too and i i it made me feel old because pearson gets really frustrated you know he misses his spot or kind of loses the grip and he's kind of spinning off the mound you know he's let his he's let's let's his follow through and then he's kind of spinning around and just kind of like kind of pissing and moaning but with himself um for for the lack of execution which i get that there's value in him being competitive but at the same time after a while i'm like yo man just like shake it off and just go make a better pitch is what i'm saying to myself not out loud because that would be embarrassing but now here we are but (laughs) i see where i see where you're going but can joe can joe panic catch no i'm what i'm saying is i'm saying a few (laughs) different things number one do you think that maybe there's anything to that 
um, that that maybe he is a, a young pitcher like like Nate Pearson with so much potential uh, that maybe needs to be uh, focused in game. We talked to Mike about all of his thirst for knowledge and how uh, he's so eager for data, but maybe there you need someone who can help to kind of center him and 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 help him to focus and and do oh. you know pitch by pitch or whatever. Do you think there's anything to that? I see where you're going. They should sign Russell Martin. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> where I'm going. Couldn't hurt. I don't know. He's basically never missed the playoffs. Well, then they're in, right? I Right? I mean, could be worse. Make him the manager. I mean, boy. look, I like Reese McGuire. I think he's a great defensive catcher. Um, can, he, can he fill out a lineup card? <laughs> he's... Look, so I think that's the big takeaway is something to watch for Nate Pearson as he as he uh, evolves and develops. That I, you know, people always oh, only made two starts in the big leagues. It's like I don't care if he made two starts. He throws ninety nine and he's got like a wipeout slider and a changeup that he can throw to right handers when he decides he wants to. And we've barely seen his his, his curveball. He should be able to get outs, and he has been getting outs, but he's been struggling for a variety of not struggling, but like not pitching as well as he could. It looks better than it is. I think he's not quite Justin Verlander yet. Yeah, yeah, he should agreed. be. He's not Max Scherzer, but he got <laughs> he got to watch Max Scherzer last time out. Should have learned yeah. a few more lessons. Shame on you, Nate Pearson. Uh, you know what's actually quite impressive? I, I have the uh, the baseball savant page up right mm. now of the the, the game. Uh, the fifth hardest pitch thrown during the uh, during the game, uh, Jordan Romano. Jordan Romano's a freak. So. Let's move on from Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson pitched. It was great. Uh, into it. Bigger, into it. Absolutely into it. Bigger picture. The Jays' bullpen, kind of good. Uh, Ken Giles would be nice, but yeah. But even without Ken Giles, even absent Ken Giles, uh, there's a lot to like about what they've got back <laughs> you, there. You got that 10th inning specialist in Shonya Maguchi. <laughs> 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 but no, there. I, I honestly think there is, and like I've I've had. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on the internet, but sometimes people will argue with you about things. But uh, but like no, I've talked to people on like like I think Dolis like doesn't have you know didn't have a huge North American career. Went over to Japan and and, and added the splitter, and obviously looked terrible uh, in his first appearance, and mm-hmm. slightly less terrible in his second. But like I like. He's a guy that, like, if you listen to Pete Walker talk, like, they're really impressed with. Like, they have a bunch of big power arm fastball slider guys back there, and uh, it's good. I don't know if people forget, but uh, but 2019 was a year when they had absolutely nothing, and it and this is much better right now. It's a it's such a weird season, and the lack of like the spring training interrupted, and then the summer camp, whatever it is, we reserve the right to a dismiss underperformance if it suits our pre- our previously held opinions and, and or agenda. So when I see Dolis struggle, but then you see him start to put together, I'm like, he's fine. I, I think there's a lot to like about him. I get why they would like him. You go, he goes to Japan and maybe stereotypically you say they make him throw a splitter. I don't know if he threw that before. What the hell do I know about Rafael Dolis? But he comes back from Japan where they throw lots <laughs> right. of splitters. And it's like, okay, well, they taught him that over there because they love it and he brings it over here and you can see it's a dangerous pitch and he's pitched well he picked out of a weird situation tonight which we'll get to um uh it's also like like bass is the same it's like it's like oh the mariners just gave up on this guy and it's like right because i don't know relievers are relievers but why, and why on he, earth he would the mariners do that the mariners by the way like kind of fun to watch right now they have a lot of really good players 
like a lot. Does Travis Snyder still play for? No, them? Travis Snyder plays for the Marlins. <laughs> I know. No, they did. They did not. Uh, Kyle Lewis. <laughs> he somehow, he somehow is not even on the Marlins roster. And my heart breaks. Kyle Lewis, center fielder I, for the Mariners. I've seen, I've seen all the like at zoo at the zoo. Listen, if, like, if the zoo's every time a bad thing happens to Travis Steiner, it's a curse. He's 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 brought upon himself. If, he's a lovely human if, being. We all love if the zoobs and I right? aren't tweeting about something like for <laughs> each other exclusively, then what are we even doing on that site? By the way, if you have if you haven't watched the Mariners this, this year, check them out. Kyle Lewis, uh, center fielder, machine, absolute machine. He's great. I think the teams uh, who trade with the Mets usually uh, get a good deal. I I had a fever dream recently. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the Mets, even though I'm online with enough Mets fans that I can't believe that this is my life. But I would have sworn that the Mets made an agent their general manager. <laughs> no, that's so stupid. That couldn't possibly be. I thought could not be. What, could not be possible. A Rod's does A Rod on the Met, Mets? Not now? yet. Give he give, <laughs> give he and Jennifer Lopez, who I you know everyone talks about how much money A Rod made. I bet you Jennifer Lopez is probably as equally wealthy to to Alex Alex Rodriguez. Oh, more more so. For no sure. doubt. I think I, I feel I feel I had this conversation with someone, maybe you, on a off air a lot, but I no, yeah, J Lo. Way more wealthy than A Rod, uh, so also you know, a, that's why, like that's, a why, that's why that's why young Beta got into the fucking uh, tried to get in the music industry. There's know? lots of money in it. It's much more, much more. Jennifer lucrative. Lopez, I think, for some people, might be a, a bit of like a punchline. Uh, truly, a talented individual. She's a very good actress who is in one of my favorite movies of all time. Out of sight. Out of sight. A, a role that, like, I think really turned a lot of people's heads because they didn't know her who she was. Or hundred percent, I I knew who she was, and I was like, "Am I going to watch a J Lo movie?" And it was like, "Oh wait, this movie's great. it's the greatest." In fact, don't get me started. Yeah. I spent like twenty minutes talking about Steven Soderbergh on a work call today, so <laughs> I could go again. But the Blue Jays bullpen I mean, the, has a the lot. Spalding, the Spalding Gray one we could talk about, but it's. <laughs> Let's talk about so and Jordan Romano. So Jordan Romano is pitching so well right now that it's like almost like a pinch me situation. Like he's not he he's, looks like right handed Andrew Miller. Um, you, they let him they let him go in the Rule Five, <laughs> and the Rangers like didn't even try it. They're like, whoa, he can't start games. We better just give him back. It's crazy. I do like that you uh, slipped into the accent there. That was very like it really brought me there. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is I don't know. It, he might be good. He well, I'm I'm willing to believe that Jordan Romano is a good pitcher of baseball. A guy with a, with his fastball 97, 98, and a slider that's like 89, 90, 91, you 92. Uh, and then he's throwing that slider for strikes at the bottom of the zone. <laughs> yeah, that'll play. That will play. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, so if you, and you add Giles and you've got those, you've got the, you know, the few players that we've named, you've got Shun Yamaguchi sort of figuring it out. And then you've got like a reasonable bunch of starters who oh, could, oh, and, and also. A, you're, you're being kind to Shun Yamaguchi. I am being kind to Shun Yamaguchi. By, by, by like mentioning it at the end of your breath and millions just yeah that. mumble it out there but i didn't talk about ryan baraki who apparently is going to be a reliever for the rest of the year who's like a freak uh, who's throwing 95 throwing hardest balls and, and looks great it's there's a lot to like they sportsnet put up a banner or a, a board today that had like that group if you exclude ken uh, ken giles in particular the group has like an era under one or something obnoxious like that they look great no, I I 100% agree. And I don't know if it was uh, Matt Gelb last week or if it was Justin Collette a couple weeks ago who were like, oh, I can't get it behind the Blue Jays because the bullpen seems like, who the fuck are these guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to say on the record right now, 
whoever said that, I don't know who it was, uh, probably correct, but also pro- possibly an idiot. Because I like, I don't know. Yeah, they've lo- they've looked really They're good. Getting outs, I mean, it, it does it does see, it does seem weird that it's like, oh, this guy, the shitty Mariners, <laughs> like put on waivers, is like gonna be your seventh or eighth inning guy. But like ninth inning guy when the real closers hurt, it's crazy. Okay, but let's. But it works. But it's working. it's working. So like that's something that's like working. It. The offense isn't working now. Offense is down across baseball. The Blue Jays' offense looks awful as uh, you know across the board hardly anybody's walking they're hitting solo home runs and that's about it uh you know you see vladdy strings a couple hits together earlier this week uh, or Lourdes guriel strings a few hits together but shed at a home run today still hasn't walked at all this season i know it's it's not really like a cohesive offense it is it is a one-man gang powered by teoscar hernandez as we all expected 100%. but i don't want to talk about the offense that much right now i want to talk about something that's not working i want to talk about charlie montoya because my guy, oh, who's he? my guy did not have a good day. <laughs> uh, there's just uh, it's easy, it's so easy to criticize the manager. We had this. I swear we had this conversation last week, and we kind of had it the week before. But man, does trouble find Charlie Montoyo? Am I am I crazy? You're absolutely not. No, it's uh, I. I think a lot of people are like willing to root like we people want to root for him he's a nice guy he plays i don't know if you know this but he plays the bongo didn't we go through this we went through this as well i feel we also did yeah but no like yeah like some of the shit is is uh is confusing it's i mean there's so the whole thing today here on thursday again this the last game in atlanta was uh, was a controversy with the lineup that may or may not reflect poorly on charlie montoyo uh jacob wagasback had been optioned as the roster went down from 30 players to 28 but then trent thornton had to go to the dl and then wagasback was brought back from the taxi squad to the active playing roster as it turns out, his name was not on the lineup that was exchanged before the game. So when the Blue Jays, well, that's that's Ernie Witt's fault. That's Ernie really. Witt's fault. So then, so Wagsback came in, he warmed up, and then I I, I saw it right away, but I did I had no idea what was going on. Where the shot <laughs> came, and Wagsback was like marching off the mound after finishing his his warm up tosses his eight pitches in between innings, and you could see home plate umpire going out towards him, and then Wagsback looked, and I don't know what he said, and then he like threw his hands in the air and like turned away like ah, and then. And then Buck and 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 Dan went on, and they were talking about something else, and the camera cut away. But then it was there's Wagsback walking off the field. So as it turns out, he was not on the lineup. They went to put him in the game, and the, I guess the Braves or Atlanta, whoever it was, said, um, "No, he can't pitch. He's not on the thing." And then that sent a lot of folks diving into the rule book. And I saw uh, Mike Wilner of, of the fan, uh, who's also been on the show, um, talking about friend of the friend, friend of the, the show, show, friend definitely friend of the show. Talking about uh, it's only like a, as a courtesy, as a courtesy, if someone is brought from the taxi squad to the main roster, they need to be on the thing. But apparently it's not like cast in stone. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the fact that the, the Blue Jays tried to use a player that they were then told they could not, it doesn't look good on the manager because that's the manager's job. Yeah, that's pretty. No, that I, as a person who tries to be real reasonable realistic and you know people are like oh you're trying to defend the i'm not i don't try to defend the team i don't really have a you know i i, I don't want to i don't want to say that they're good or bad right like i don't have any skin in the game other than you know it'd be nice if the team was good 
uh, people would be like, oh, you're, you know, you're being too hard on this or what. But like, or, and I think there's like, I've seen people talk about uh, just uh, the organization itself being like, oh yeah, this, you know, it's just a, it's just an amateur organization is Bush league or shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I usually would be like, I don't know, whatever. There's a good excuse for that. Uh, (laughs) But shit like this, it makes it hard to defend. It does. It's, it's, there is no reasonable um, explanation. It's not an act of God. Uh, It's not a player came in and gave up a home run. It's not, you know, or or someone came in and was hurt. No, it's like you, it's like you had one job. You had a very specific (laughs) job to do. It was a job that is administrative in nature. It is a job that can be accomplished with, you know, a checklist with a pen and a pencil and, and, and conferring among your, your comrades, your cohort, your, your confidants, you can say, do we have so, everybody on the fucking with, team with, with like on the on the game sheet? <laughs> Are they all there? Some people do it with calligraphy. You could, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's odd. It's odd. It's hard. It's indefensible. Uh, as it, it, you know, it's a small thing. Like indefensible could mean all sorts of things, but like it's no, it's 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 stupid. And hey, s- s- stop it! <laughs> like I, like I. I would like to be. I would like to be like, hey, people who think that this is a bush league organization. I would like to be like, hey, you're no. Here's some reasons why you're maybe not right. Uh, just, you're just making my job harder. If that is indeed my job, which it is not. I think the thing about managers is it's so easy <laughs> to find things to dislike about them. It's so easy yes. to see things that or yeah. to to find error in their on field decisions. Or in-game decisions or pre-lineup decisions. For example, I'm watching the Braves being like, why do you have Dansby Swanson hitting between Big Ron and Freddie Freeman? Like, hit Freeman second. Go, especially when you can't go. Anyway. They they do have some really fun They do. God, Freddie Freeman is such an animal. I, I, and Big Ron <laughs> and, uh, and, and Ozuna and then all those, those goofy pitchers. And then it's, it's a shame. Shout out to Mike Soroka, who, uh, friend, friend of the show. Let's just say it. Whatever. He's Canadian. He might as well be. I don't think we ever had him we on didn't, the show. We but didn't. We yeah, didn't. But, but he would, he would have. He, he would do it right. Well, he's got nothing better to do. Yikes, now. man. My guy, uh, blew his Achilles, uh, tendon. Really an ugly injury and a great pitcher having who's coming off a great season. Uh, really sucks to to see it, but yeah, the the Atlanta has a lot of nice players. But it's so easy to find fault in any manager, and it's so easy to assign blame to a manager, and it's much more difficult to find things that they do well. I know that you and I in the olden times kind of bonded and, and held a similar vision of like I really like the way that John Gibbons manages the bullpen. That was kind of the thing that that guys like us who were looking to make ourselves look smart used to say because <laughs> it was largely true. And then it has something that kind of bore out over time. I want Vinny Chalk's arm to be grounded at dust. <laughs> Brilliant. So does John I Gibbons. I can't believe that John, <laughs> John Gibbons, like I, has infinite trust in Brian Tallett. <laughs> oh, my God. But also, but that's, such a, that's, that's part of this conversation. It's like people, you know, talk about, oh, Montoya is so bad. I miss Gibby. It's like, do you remember how much you hated Gibby? Like, people hated him. Until it turns out uh, his team got good and then he suddenly got good as a manager. So I can almost in that way understand why 
the Blue Jays are like, you know, the, I mean, the manager doesn't matter. Like he's like he he probably you know mo- most of the job that he does is under the surface, and we don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I mean, we could obviously clearly infer that he's probably not great at that either. <laughs> but- <laughs> I think that but we don't 100 know the thing about it. Maybe a player, like maybe a manager like John Gibbons, or or uh, compared to say Cito Gaston. So Cito Gaston was beloved because he was a manager of the team that won the World Series two two years in a row. He was a manager of the team yeah. that was laden with veterans and like all star caliber players from foul line to foul line and a ridiculous starting rotation. The 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 the, the line then something that's always uh, something of a knock against Cito, something that a lot of people found may have had some kind of like racial animus in it, which is that anybody could have managed those teams to the World Series. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but by uh, yeah, that's no, not true. Because hmm? there because more there 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 were there have been more talented teams that didn't absolutely win the World Series, absolutely right? like, yeah but when you are a players manager like Cito Gaston or and to a similar extent uh, uh, John Gibbons or when you are a a team a manager whose view of offense is aligned with the players that you have such that you've got a really good offensive team don't need to sit over there trying to pull the strings just run them out there and let them go hit and and be like, hey, you know, we we all loved Gibby because he was like, let's hit Josh Donaldson fucking first, and let's hit Jose Bautista second, <laughs> and like, just let's get as many good players going as soon as we can. And that was, you know, in its in its own way, kind of uh, rev, rev, small R revolutionary. And Chris Colabello is going to hit third. Hell but, yeah! But you know what I mean. Th- there was no. He wasn't know, trying to 100%. get cute, right? It was just like let's just let's get as many good players and put them in a row, and out you go. Uh, when you're not. When you're not uh, opening yourself up for for error, you're not opening yourself up for question. When you're not really quote unquote doing a lot. When you're not an active manager that's like trying to con- confuse activity with productivity, where you're, it's like, well, we're setting guys in motion and we're going to have a bunt, we're going to do this, and we're going to do a pinch runner with this guy, and we're going to run around and do that. It's just like, just go play. And if they win, you look like a genius. And if they don't, you're like, well, I got shitty players. What do you want me to do? But Charlie Montoyo has had shitty teams, or a shitty team, and now a mediocre team to manage, a team that is not performing. And I don't think that anyone is saying the Blue Jays are bad because of Charlie Montoyo. What they're saying is the, the, the few times a game that he has to pop up and like do something, it seems to be a decision that either doesn't go their way or one that at, right at, on its face, you, I or some fans are like, yo, don't do that, do the other thing. And and the margins are very thin. The margins are thin because the team isn't great. Because the team has got a lot of exciting players, but right now in 2020, in this stupid joke <laughs> oh, season, they don't have magic pixie dust that turns DJ fucking Lemayu and Gio Urshela into fucking superstars. So they, so they're not like, yeah, no. But it but it, it's and the margins are thin, and that that puts people on mm-hmm. edge. Uh, so does probably you know they're, they're all Leafs fans or know, or, or, or like think about Nick it. Nurse right like think but, about basketball basketball you can play a system you can coach oh my god I would love to think about the greatest <laughs> coach in his league because he is a good coach because he has <laughs> in, installed a system and he has uh, got, uh, got buy in from players from uh, all different stages of their careers all different kinds of players and he implements them effectively and he makes a lot of good in game decisions he has lots more decisions to make than Charlie Montoya, so it's easier for him to build a case for being a tactical genius as opposed to a baseball manager who's like, boy, I hope that golf ball goes over the fence. Well, the next one might. Well, that one didn't go over the fence. Boy, I sure hope the next one does. That's that's Charlie Montoya's job by and large. But so it's 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 difficult to build a case for on a bad team to have a manager that you like 
uh, unless you're really looking for it. Charlie Montoyo seems like a very likable, very affable guy who defends his players, guy who's got their back, which is maybe what they want. Again, this is stuff we talked about last week. You said all this, all this yeah. stuff that maybe he's but, the but, fall but, guy. But, but people, th- people think he's a, a bow porter, right? Like mm-hmm. People think that he, he's like the placeholder until they get to a point where they need to have a real manager. Like he's a guy, which is, which is shitty. And uh, like, you know, he paid his dues and he managed a ton of teams and, uh, and, and, Charlie, like I don't know him personally, or whatever. But like I don't know, like Charlie, he is a nice guy. Like there's there's a reason people are like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. It's because I think he is. Mm-hmm. Like and he's mm-hmm. you know he's not an idiot. But also, I don't know. Stop bunting. <laughs> he's not an idiot. He's not an idiot. And you're right. He paid his dues. And you're right that people believe in him and people like him. But also, yeah, don't don't continue to make decisions that make it impossible to defend that or just nice. ignore you. I think maybe even that would be enough. Just to not just I was talking flash to, I, the, the spotlight on yourself, being like, it's me, I did this. <laughs> I was talking to a non-sports fan on the earlier today, and they were like, oh, oh, you oh, you talk about sports, whatever. And, like, and like uh, the Raptors came up, and I'm like, every Raptors game is just a gift. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> like, the Blue Jays, uh, you know, I watch them. I love baseball, obviously. But, like, every Raptors game right now, especially – what they're what I don't know if you've, you've mentioned Nick Nurse you did, uh, but no like you know like what they've done since the like Kawhi was like fucking fucking ninety seven Jordan just showed up and like was like oh yeah we're gonna win the championship, uh, and then they're still really great and also like the most fun team ever, uh, so the bar has been set pretty high. No offense to Sheldon. On top Keith, of that, not, on top of he's, that, he's not into Nick Nurse, either, who's like, an American <laughs> man, was like, "Yeah, yeah, I coach the Raptors. Yeah, I'll coach Canada as well. What the fuck? <laughs> like, fuck. It's uh, like Nick, uh, Nick Nurse is so good at his job that there was somebody I don't know who it was. They were praising Kyle Lowry on Twitter today. It was like an <laughs> NBA Twitter thing, and they were like, "Man, Kyle Lowry is such a king. Never, I never would have thought I'd be saying this. You know, he, he never." You know, there was a time where I think he was just from Philadelphia. They were like, I was afraid the Sixers were going to give him would give him a contract, and now I'm like, my God, I would kill for it to have him on his team. And then one of the reply from a reply was like, Kawhi is the most overrated player in the NBA. Like that's how good a coach Nick Nurse is that people are saying with a straight face online, Kawhi is overrated because look what look how good the Raptors are. It's like Kawhi is not overrated. He is not overrated at all. He is as good as advertised. He 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 helped win that championship. But the team is so good. They've got such a good coach. They've got such a good system. And they've got such good and and uh, engaging it, players. Like you said, every game is a gift. Every Raptors game is a gift. Really amazing. Uh, if if I may share, I could tell. I could feel your we're about to wrap up voice, and that's probably mm-hmm. fair. If I could share, uh, I don't want to name names. Uh, but I was texting with uh, a guitar player in. Uh, in a band that people w- may have heard of uh, earlier. <laughs> it's like, how in sweet fuck do you not include an arm on the goddamn lineup card in a 60-game season? Charlie, come on, bro. <laughs> and uh, I feel we all share that sentiment. That's uh, that's kind of uh, the beginning and the end of it. Nick, Nur- Nick Nurse wouldn't have done that. Uh, but imagine he did. Imagine like this, like Chris Boucher sitting on the bench in his suit and all of a sudden... <laughs> And then Charlie Nickers points on the bench and he pulls in. off his suit. He's got his jersey on underneath and just like runs out on the court. That would be cool. 
Stoughton, what have you been writing about? What, you, what, what can the people read about from you either recently or looking forward uh, about the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, I looked at some StatCast data that uh, that said that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is bad, which I uh, disagree, but uh, but um, it's going to take me a while to give up that fucking ghost. <laughs> um uh no I'm going to I'm going to write about the the game on Friday and uh Sunday I'm going to have a or Sunday I'm going to do it on Sunday but there we we have been doing a Monday morning report we've started writing about the mm. days uh going to do that and then also next week I will write about Sean Yamaguchi and I I I intend to look at some video of his time in Japan and be like how was this guy good? He must what like what did anybody see in him? It seemed he must be better than this. I'm sure that he is. I am confident, you know, Anthony K took a half year to get used to the, the big league ball. It's the, those balls a little bit juiced. Oh, they're ridiculous. I'm so sick of like the garbage opposite field home runs, unless it's Shohei Otani hitting them. Um they make me sick. Well, he he won't be giving them up as a pitcher, so how dare you? Honestly, I didn't feel good saying that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone can look out for that on the athletic. As I mentioned, if you haven't subscribed, I think that you should. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the Vlad newsletter, I've been stalling because it's just going to be like a miserable dirge. Oh, it's a bucket of sadness. Yeah, Jesus uh, it doesn't Christ. look good. You know, every every so often it's just to turn it around a little bit, but then that's. It's uh, it's not great right now. I'm glad we didn't talk about it because that fucking Tatis. So I tweet I, like that Tatis home run last night. I was like slightly worse prospect than Vlad. It's like oh, my it's God. not it's not pleasant right now. But he's not alone in that. <laughs> he's not alone in that across baseball. He's not alone in that on the Blue Jays. I reserve the right to like stall and drag my feet and and just like ex- ignore the evidence in front of my eyes for as long as it needs. Like you said, I'm not about to give up that ghost anytime soon so you can subscribe to the newsletter you can subscribe to the athletic read everything that stoughton writes read everything that blake and eric kareen and everyone writes about the raptors who we spent as much time talking about on this show as we did about the blue jays but i want most importantly is go out and enjoy the games it's good to complain about the blue jays and stuff uh as 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 much as we do so turn tune them in you got dan goddamn shulman calling every game every game is a gift also a gift, yes, hundred percent a gift. Also, so is so is Jim's Steakout. If you're in Buffalo, <laughs> shout out to Mighty Taco as always. His name is <laughs> Mighty Taco. His so name good. is Andrew Stone. <laughs> My name is Drew Fair Service. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>